Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. You guys glad you're here? If you're not here, we miss you out there. Hopefully we're going out onto the internet. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me and let's say our, con- our scriptures, our confession of faith as we enter into the Lord tonight, that the God will guide us and open our ears to hear. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I shall know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hears to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. You may be seated. I'm talking back, Tim. I really don't want to hear myself. I hear enough through my ears. I don't need to hear any more back. Praise the Lord. Well, one of those things happened again. Uh, Mike, you talked about it. I was... Not long ago, the Lord gave me a word, and that was the word he gave me. And, and then Mike said he was, I was speaking one time, and he got a word. So I guess Mike and I are getting our messages from each other. Because I say something, and he gets a word. He says something, and I get a word. So uh, last time we were in, uh, I guess it's been the, not this last one because uh, Daniel spoke, but the time before Mike spoke, and he started speaking, and all of a sudden, one of those words just popped out, got emphasized. I started writing, and Pastor Goodluck looks across the table at me. I'm just over there scribbling like crazy. He said, what are you doing? I said, I just got a message. I got a word. It's getting downloaded. <laughs> I'm trying to write it as fast as I can write it down uh, so that I can get the, at least the basis of it from what the Lord has. Because if I don't write it down, I forget it. And so... I wrote it all down, and when the Lord gave it to me, I said, well, Lord, I, you know, he doesn't give you this big, long, developed thing. He just gives you a small portion. It's kind of like when you give an interpretation in tongues. He'll usually give you one or two words, and then the rest of it, you just got to go by faith and start talking, and then as he gives it to you, then you just begin to expand it. Well, that's kind of the way it was, but the word that he gave to me was doors. And actually, the first thing that pops in my mind is, you know, Jesus said, I am the door. No one comes to mind except through me. I'm, you know, that's the way to heaven. That's the first thing that popped into my mind, but that's not really uh, where the Lord went with it. And so I said, okay, well, door, so I'm going to need to need a little more information than that. And so God began to expand it, and he, I came up with the title for this message is Guard Your Doors. And if you noticed, I didn't say guard your door. Sometimes it's important to, to, even when you're reading in the Word of God, if it's singular, it's singular. If it's plural, it's plural. Which I'm talking about doors, and we know that there's only one door. So that's not the door that I'm talking about, because there's only one door through Jesus Christ to salvation, and that's not the door that I'm talking about tonight. So, first of all, we've got to first get some understanding of what door is. I think everybody knows what a door is. That's a door if you don't know what one is over there. And uh, doors are used for uh, usually either entering or getting in and out of a place, uh, whether it's uh, going into a room or coming out of a room. But in Scripture, uh, doors are, are mentioned, well, depending on which uh, uh, commentary you read, uh, doors are mentioned about 180 times in Scripture. So, and it talks about it in a lot of different ways. It talks many times about the physical door. A lot of times it's talking about spiritual doors. 
and, and, and these talking of, of the things, it's important for us to understand that doors are there for a purpose. A door has a purpose, and a door going to somewhere or coming from somewhere. So it's important for us to realize. But in, if you look at the, uh, the uh, uh, Scriptures in John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I am the door, I am the door, singularly. If anyone enters to me, he will be saved and will go out and, and, and will go in and out and find pasture. So here is the door that I'm talking about where I said that Jesus Christ is the door, the single door. In the parable of the ten virgins, the door was the entry into the wedding. Remember the, the story of the ten, the, uh, the ten um, virgins? As there was a door because they had to go into, into the wedding. So there was going into the wedding. That was the door that went in. And this it says... This is like the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking about entering into this door. But there's, this door not only was open for the, for the five virgins to go into, the door was shut. And so the door became closed, and those people had fellowship, but the ones on the outside no longer had fellowship. So that we see that the doors many times are open doors that we go into, but there's also times that the doors need to be shut. The Bible talks about when it says... Uh, uh, that uh, if you're talking about with, with, the, with the bridegroom, I mean, the, the having a problem with these virgins, okay? Anyway, the, the, the virgins that was going in. But we realize that there's open and there's closed doors. Now, an open door in Scripture symbolizes that if you have an open door in Scripture, many times it symbolizes an open communication and agreement. If you have an open door, that means that you've entered into something and you have a, you've committed to something and it is symbolic of a true com, uh, communication and that you agree because you've entered into the door of agreement. A closed door usually means that it's closed communications or a disagreement. So closed doors are normally what we don't, we don't in a closed door, it usually means that it's a disagreement when a door is closed that we disagree with that door. Many times people say, well, God has given us open doors and open doors. And then he says that if, if a door gets shut, that means God shut it and all these types of things. Well, it's important for us to realize that doors do get shut from time to time. And a lot of times people uh, don't notice that the door's been shut. Can you enter into a shut door? Hmm? If a door is closed... If I go to my house and the door is closed and I don't open the door to go in, I'd have to stay outside the house. So just because the door is closed doesn't mean you can't open it. If it was, he said, well, if it's locked, well, my doors better be locked at the house. At least that's the way I left them was that they're locked, right? That's so that no one else can get into there. But I have a key, and I have a key to be able to get into that door, and I can get in that door and go into my house. It's important for us to realize that God may open doors, and sometimes we may be the ones that shut the door. Now, we all like to talk about the doors, but let's just say, I ask you this, is, is all, are, are all doors, are all open doors for you? Just think about it. Are all open doors for you? 
If you go up to a house, the door's open, does that mean you can gain entry? No. Nobody but Mike. <laughs> Bad about that, Mike. No. But what I'm saying is, is all doors are not open for us. They may be open, but they're not open for us. They may be open for someone else. Are all doors that are open from God? See, a lot of people think that if there's an open door, God, God just opened this door. Well, what is it? I'm going to start working in a bar. Hello? <laughs> uh, just because the door... Does anybody realize that Satan's doors are always open? You know, Satan's doors are always open. If you want to find an open door, you can find one. All you got to do, you don't even have to look to find an open door that Satan has open, right? But the thing about it, we need, we need to learn to be able to understand doors that are open to us and know when it's from God and when it's not from God. When the door is something that's going to be advantageous to not only us, but to God and the testimony of God. Because many times doors look good because they're good for us. But not all doors that are good for us are really truly good for us because they're not God doors. They're not the God, it may be a good door, but it's not a God door. It's important for us to realize that we must choose those things. Now, when you start talking about doors... In this sense of, the, sense of the words, we must understand that there are spiritual doors and there are natural doors. Okay? A spiritual door is exactly what it is. It is a spiritual door that God has opened to you for spiritual things. When the Holy Spirit opens a door for you and, have, and you have an open communication with God, that's an open door when you're communicating with God so that God can give you what He wants to give you. That is an open door. We many times close that door that God wants open and we've shut it and therefore we don't want to communicate with God. We've said, shut the door, I don't want to communicate. You say, well, I don't tell the Lord to shut the door. No, you just don't talk to Him. So it's important for us to realize all of the things about doors, that these doors are open and they can be closed and, and all of these spiritual things. So we know, we can understand that doors open, they close, there's natural and there's spiritual, and... So what do I mean, I talked about doors, so what do I mean when I pick the title of my message, Guard Your Doors? Well, guard your doors. Why would a guard be at a door? If you go to the, if you ever watch, uh, matter of fact, I was watching today, and if you look at the White House and you see anybody moving around, you, you don't have to see them walk very far, and you see this uh, Marine standing there, Guarding the door. He's not standing next to a wall. <laughs> He's standing next to a door. What's he? Is he standing there for his looks? Even though they do look pretty nice. No, he's standing there to do one of two things. He's either there to keep somebody from going in, or he's going to go in to get somebody out. But he's standing at the door because something there is important. We have guards at banks. We have guards that guard important people. So if something is worth protecting, usually you're going to see a guard. If something is worth protecting, you're going to see a guard. 
Now, in Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God, remember peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The key here is peace. The Holy Spirit helps us to have peace, and peace is the key to doors, especially looking for spiritual doors or looking for doors of opportunities and looking for things. If you can't go into a door and have peace, don't go. Because peace is what's going to keep us through the Holy Spirit. So we have responsibility, even though the, 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 Spirit, the peace of God will help us and the Holy Spirit will help us, we have a responsibility in what doors we go through and what we do with the doors in our life. We have to make sure that we're always guided by the Holy Spirit. So tonight I want to talk about the doors, the main door that I want to talk about tonight other than Jesus Christ, but the one that I want to talk about is something that happens when we do get saved, and that is the first place is we need to guard the door of our heart. In Proverbs 4.23 it says, Keep, it's on the Amplified, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance. Now that tells me that it's not something that you're just supposed to just randomly do. I'm going to just guard my heart. Eh, whatever comes, seek by say, it says be vigilant. We need a mic, but I guess we need a mic for the people out there. Um, but above all, it says the spring's life. So everything in life, it is very, very important. We all understand that without a heart, we cannot live naturally. But here we see that the spiritual heart gives us life, and without it, our spiritual heart, there is no life. We don't have life in Jesus Christ if we lose that relationship that we have, which we have when we ask Jesus Christ to what? Come into what? Our physical heart? No, into our spiritual heart. And that's where Jesus Christ lives is in that spiritual heart that we have there. And it's important that we understand that we have to protect that. We've invited Jesus Christ in. He's there, and we need to protect it. Now, understand that Satan wants to destroy that spiritual heart. And that Christ, and he wants to destroy it and to do everything that he can to destroy that, okay? So, it's important to watch this door of our heart, but what can we do and what do we need to do to guard our heart? Tonight, I want to talk to you about the things that are necessary for us to be able to do to guard the heart that God has given us, that heart of flesh that heart that is sincere, that heart that has the love, that has all of the attributes of Christ living in it, and all of the things that he has to protect that so that nothing can come against that because that's the most important thing that we have going on in our life. The first thing that I want to share with you is you need to firstly, first thing to guard the door of your heart is by guarding the door 
of your mind. You say, is there a door to my mind? Of course there is. Anything that allows entrance into something has to have a door. There has to be a place in which it has to be able to, a, a way for it to get in. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God is, and which is good and acceptable and perfect. And if you want a good translation, that's not the way you would normally read it. That's the reason I put it in the, the uh, NASB. Hopefully that's the one they used. Uh, where it talks about, because a lot of people try to get into three wills and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't say that, that we may prove what the will of God is. What the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay? Not three wills of God. So, with the new birth, with the new birth, comes new thought process. A new thought process. When God is in the heart... Then we think right, we live right, we do right, and when he's absent, we think wrong, we live wrong, and we do wrong. Everything that we do, everything that we do starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. That bothered me a long, a long time because I said, well, you know, because the Bible talks about bringing every thought into obedience to God's Word. You know, talking about this obedience and getting into God's Word and bring everything into obedience. It says that in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is where we have to crucify actions because this is where they all start. We all first think about sin before we sin. We think about it. There's a process that we go through. Everybody know what the process is? Get into it. But we think about it first. Then what's the next thing we do? We begin to talk about it. Sometimes we talk to ourselves about it. And then we start talking to somebody else about it. And after you thought about it, started talking about it, then what comes next is you do the action. And that is where we stop it is right here when we bring every thought into obedience to what Christ's Word says for us to do. And then what we control in our thoughts is one of the most important things because if we don't control our thoughts, we don't control them. You say, well, the Holy Spirit controls my thoughts. I wish he's there to assist you, but you have to control your thoughts. The Holy Spirit is there to help you, and you have been removed from the slavery to sin, but you still have a free will to choose. You can choose to think what you want to think. And if you are thinking wrong, you're going to do wrong. You have to make sure you bring every thought into what God wants you to have. And people say, well, I can't think of good things all the time. Why are you thinking of bad things? You understand what I'm trying to say? What, what causes thoughts how do we get thoughts moving in our minds? Does anybody want to anybody know what basically starts thoughts? Well, since no one answered that, I won't call on anybody. I'm not strong as Noja. Noja call on you. I wouldn't call him. No. Um, huh? Desires, right? It comes through our basically our five physical senses. It's what we see, 
what we hear, touch, okay? So we begin the thought process by receptors that causes us to think about something. Now, if I was one of those um, guys who, you know, like this, somebody might look at me and say, hmm, I wish I had a body like that. But everybody in here says, I'm glad I don't. So I don't bother those receptors, but somebody might bother that receptor, okay? But what we see in those things, so these, so that's what we're going to get into. But the thing about it, what we have to learn to do is what it says in Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue... If there's anything that's good, if there's any possibility of anything good, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things or think on these things. So thinking is, is important for us to be able to think properly and think right. And how is the best thing if you, if you start thinking something wrong? Does anybody give me a quick answer? What do you do if you start thinking something wrong? Huh? Another thought will come. So what do you got to do? When a thought comes that you know is the wrong thought, what do you do? You reject it. You'd say, I rebuke you. I call it right out my name. Thought go in the name of Jesus. Stop it. Don't let it process. Don't let it go to a second thought, to another thought, to another thought, to another thought. Stop it in its tracks, right there where it is. Okay? Now... I'm taking these things in the order that they are in the Scriptures because it makes it easier if you're doing something in the Scriptures instead of bouncing around. So I'm going to the fact that the second thing that we need to do after we have thoughts is we need to guard, be guarding the door of our mouth. The reason is, the reason it comes second here is because if I thought about it, the next thing I plan to do is talk about it. So we have to guard the things that we say. And people say, well, if I was to watch everything I say all day long, I wouldn't say anything. That might be a good thing. Some of the best blessed days you could probably have are the days that you can't talk. You know, one of those times you get hoarse and you can't talk. You know, you say, I can't talk. And so it hurts to talk, so you don't talk. And you find out at the end of the day you may feel bad about talking, but spiritually you feel real good because you didn't say anything negative that day. You didn't open up any doors that needed to be kept shut. You know what I'm saying? You didn't go look behind door one. You know, door number two. We didn't do it because we were able to keep our speaking under... I'll just... It sounds bad when I say keep your mouth under control, so I say keep our speaking under control. But it's important for us to understand that in Proverbs 4.24, if you guys haven't figured it out yet, my message is basically coming from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 and going forward. But it says, put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk. What's contrary talk? If you look at this as an amplified, so it gives you a little more understanding. What is contrary talk? Anybody think about what contrary talk is? 
argumentative. That's one. Contrary. Because you take another opinion, so you're contrary to it, right? Huh? Against the Word. Yeah, that's it. When, when we start being contrary, it means we're saying things that are contrary to the Word of God. When we begin to say things that are contrary to God, we've opened the door of our mouth and we have brought onto ourselves something that we don't want, but we are talking about it. Now, there was a time in my life that I preached a series of messages on mouth and confessions and so forth that I had a person very close to me tell me at home, if you don't stop talking so much about the confession of the mouth, you're not even going to be able to get people to give you a prayer request during prayer request time. And what she was saying was the fact that I was, I guess I was so strong and I was so, I guess you call it dogmatic, I guess would be the word. I was so strong in, 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 in the teaching of the word that people were scared to say anything because they weren't sure if it was positive or negative. And it's really bad when you really don't know what, that what you're saying is negative. That's, that is very dangerous. And there are people that say things out loud that when you hear it, you say, did I hear what I just heard? And you say, and you don't want to say anything because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, especially in this day and time. You hurt somebody's feelings, you know, they'll, they'll, sue, you for, they'll sue you for hurting their feelings. And, but, but people sometimes don't realize that the things that they say are so contrary to the Word of God. And the most astonishing thing is they don't, they don't know it. They don't realize it. And that's, that, that's become a very dangerous aspect of our lives to be able to get into that because it says here, willful. Willful means that you meant to do it. And somebody says, well, I didn't really mean to say it. Well, why'd you say it then? Well, it was accident. Okay. I'll go with that one time, two times, but not continually. And it says willful and contrary. It says put, but this contrary talk, put far from you. Now, how far, I don't know how far it means from me, but if it says far from me, that doesn't mean it's not right here. That type of talking, I want to put a long ways away from me, right? I want to keep that thing at, not at this length, but way out there. I want to keep it there. And I've had a lot of people say, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, and I just don't get that peace inside. That's that heart piece that we're looking for inside. Well, there's. I'm gonna give you this one. Lord, give you this. One. I gotta say that if you if you want to know what's wrong with your heart, just listen to what escapes your mouth. If you want to know what's wrong with your heart, just listen to what escapes your mouth. In other words, what gets out that you didn't really need to get out there, or maybe you didn't even want to. In Psalms uh, 141.3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's pretty powerful when you think about it. <laughs> Praying, Lord. David said, Lord, God, God, me. Set a guard. Put, a, put something there. Give me a guard that when something comes out, when something starts out of my lips, just 
you know, slap me. Don't let me say it. Because David knew that it was important what came out of his mouth. And I don't think that we realize a lot of times that we get caught up in the speech thing. When we start talking about the problems of the world and all the things that are going on and we, we hear it. We'll get on that in a minute. But then we start talking about it. We talk about it. And the more we talk, what happens? The more we talk, the more depressed we get. When, when our words cause depression, anxiety and frustrations, what's wrong? Our speech is wrong because we're dwelling, we think about it, we speak about it, and what we say goes down here. There's scripture in Proverbs that says, the pen, the mouth is the pen of a ready writer. And then there's another part of the scripture in Proverbs that says, and the pen is that which writes upon the tables of the heart. In other words, the mouth writes upon the tables of the heart. And as we begin to speak those things, we speak them into our heart. We begin to speak them in. And the more we say them, the more they come out. The more we say them, the more that we come out. Because it says, out of the abundance of the heart, we speak. So if we've got joy, peace, long, all the good attributes of God, we're praising God and all the things are good. That's good. Why? Because the more we praise God, the more it lifts us up. Why? Because the more we get it, the more we say it, the more we get it, the more we get it, the more we say it. And the next thing you know, we're joyful and we're uplifted. Why? Because of the profession of our mouth, which is food from our soul and from our heart that's there. So guard it. Jesus even said in Matthew 12, 34, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? He's talking about evil. Out of, for out of the abundance of the heart a man speaks. That's where the scripture comes and says, so out of our heart is what's coming out of our mouth. So if you want to know why your heart's not feeling the way it ought to feel, your spiritual condition, think about what has escaped out of your mouth today. And if you say, Brother Graham, should we really watch our mouth? I wouldn't be preaching the message if God had to told me that. It's something we need to watch out and watch for. Okay, moving on. Yes, i got to move on. Okay. Proverbs 4.25. The third thing, we have to, by guarding, how do we protect our hearts? By guarding the door of our eyes. Proverbs 4.25. Let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose. That's in the Amplified Word. And with fixed purpose. What does it mean if I'm going to look at something with a fixed purpose? It means I want to look there, and I'm fixed on it, and I'm not going to look this way, and I'm not going to look this way. I am fixed on it. When I go get an eye examination, the doctor says, look right here. Look over here. He wants me to fix my eyes so he can look into my eyes, right? He's wanting to do it. But when we fix, it means we fix it on what needs to be fixed on. But who controls what we fix our eyes on? We do. We're the ones that control that. So people, people want to blame everyone, including the devil, for our own failures, for our own inadequacies, for our own problems. You know, if, I don't need to go there. Okay. Moving right along. But anyway, but let your gaze be straight before you. 
You want to look at it? Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right, but keep everything there. In Matthew 5, 29 through 30, it says, if your, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Cast it from you. For it's more profitable for, for one, for you, that one of your members perish than for your old body to be cast into hell. I understand these are sayings of the Lord, and I understand what he said, and he says, pretty drastic if my eye causes me to sin. Just pluck it out, because it would be better to make it to heaven than it went. Then the Lord is saying, these things here, these things here are important. There's something we need to watch. What We need to be careful what we watch for and what we watch with these eyes. Because there are things that are being pushed upon us that we see. I was watching a commercial today. A commercial for medicine. I don't know if anybody's seen it. And two young gentlemen stole it out there, promoting this medicine. Don't know what it was. I didn't have to listen to it. All I had to do was see it. And it just stirred. You said, well, you shouldn't have been watching that. I didn't mean to watch it. I just said, I had the volume off. I don't listen to the commercials. I just turn them off. But all of a sudden, I'm sitting there looking at the TV with the voices off. I'm not listening to it, but I said, hmm, and I saw it. So we're, we're, we're seeing things, and it's programming us. It wants us to make it acceptable. If we see it long enough, we become desensitized to it. Our conscience becomes no longer connected. We lose that part inside of us, that consciousness that God put inside of us that knew, that knows what right and wrong is, and all of a sudden we become the case. Then all of a sudden we have to tell our children, because, well, they're just, you know, no, it's wrong. We, are, we cannot give up, folks. We have to guard what we have, and we need to guard our children, we need to guard our grandchildren into these things. No, we don't have to accept it. People say, well, we have to. No, we don't. We may have to die for it, but we don't have to give up what we believe and what God's Word says. And so, therefore, we cannot become desensitized to all of these things that, we, that our eyes are seeing. And it says, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. As a matter of fact, you go to a Muslim nation... You get caught stealing. You don't have to cut it off. They'll do it for you. And they say, well, if he doesn't, he won't steal anymore with that hand because it's over there in the bucket. Now, you know that guy will never steal again with that right hand. He may steal it with his left one, but he won't steal it with his right one. I guarantee you that. And if he steals it with his left one, guess what? He won't, he won't be able to steal with his right hand or his right or his left hand, but if he's stupid enough to go steal it with his feet, he's going to lose his foot too. Sometimes people are hard of hearing and hard of understanding. We have to understand that these things, God put them here. This is not what Paul taught. This is what Jesus taught. I'm not teaching it. God, Jesus taught it right here. He said, it can cause you to go to hell. And that's pretty big. Why? Because it affects the heart. All of these things 
go back to the source, and the source that's important is the heart. That's what all of these things protect. That's what we're trying to protect is the heart. Number four, another way to protect your heart is with your ears. Luke 8, 18, therefore, take heed how you hear. That was Jesus. Take care how you hear. He says, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever has not, even. And even what he seems to have will be taken from him. Doesn't mean he doesn't have it. If he don't seem to have it, he don't have it. Okay? You don't seem to have it, you don't have it. But the thing about it is, is this is what Jesus himself is teaching. Be careful and take heed of what you hear. Gotta make sure I didn't skip page. Okay. What we listen to either helps us grow in our faith or destroys even the little faith that we have in the Lord. What we listen to, and a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm, uh, when I ride down the road, I'm listening to people preach, teachers preach, or I'm listening to you know, gospel music or you know, KSBJ or whatever station you listen to, right? And listen to Christian music. Is that a good thing? Yeah, because what are you doing? You're usually singing along. If, you're not, if, you, if you can't sing, I know Michael just hums. But, but the thing about it is, our mind is what? It's on God. We're listening to things. We, we, we're listening to people preach. Our minds are, we listen to a preacher or you listen to somebody or you're watching something on TV that's good, good, wholesome, whatever, and it's pointing back toward God or whatever the case may be. Then, yes, we're listening to good things, right? But if we soak ourselves, if we soak ourselves in condemning words, and keep listening to lies and divisive arguments, we will end up having a shipwreck faith. We are told to reject people who are very divisive with their words. You don't need that coming in here all the time. You belong to God Somebody tries to to destroy your identity and who you are in Christ, don't listen. Walk away. You don't have to take that. You are more than any person could ever think that you are. I know my wife thinks, I'm going to say it, best thing since sliced bread, but that's not probably the way she would say it. But I know my wife loves me. And I know my wife loves me. Does that mean she doesn't correct me? No, she corrects me. She corrects me because she loves me. If she sees me doing something, she'll correct me. Especially if she sees me get a get a, a, a large bag of Doritos or a large bag of uh, Cheetos. Uh, she would tell me, you know, you should have got a small bag of Cheetos or a small bag of Doritos, not the whole family size. <laughs> and we understand that, right? But we, but the thing about it is, good corrective thing out of love is one thing, because we are to correct our brothers and sisters in love, right? But we're never to be abusive in the things that we hear 
And we should never let our mouth, which was one of the other ones, we should guard our mouth from that type of language that would hurt and offend someone else and tear someone else down. There's one thing about helping someone through a situation. If they're wrong and they're not getting and they need love and they need an understanding, that's one thing. But when it comes across as love, that's one thing. But when it comes down to tear down and degrade, then it's something that we don't do. And that's something our society has lost. It's the fact we don't know how to talk to people anymore. I was beginning to think the other day I was, in, I was at a, a grocery store. And you would think if you were in a grocery store, you would be, the one thing that you would be doing at the grocery store would be buying groceries. But I see people going down the aisles. Maybe they were looking for the groceries in their phone. I don't know. Possibly, I guess. But the thing about it, we don't communicate anymore. Go to restaurants and watch the children at a table sitting there, and they're texting each other across the table instead of talking. When do we lose the communication? I understand that that is a way to protect not saying anything wrong with your mouth. (laughs) If you text, you didn't say it with your mouth. I guess in some ways that's true. Maybe that's the new way to not talk so that way you don't get in trouble. So if you text, it's not talking. Words are words, right, because they're coming from your heart or you wouldn't be putting them on, on, on a text message. I was just joking about that in case somebody was thinking it. But Satan uses people to destroy us. And we have to guard this, our hearing, so that we don't allow that to happen. And I'm going to say this, and this is probably a bold statement to say, but choose your friends wisely. Those you associate with, choose them wisely. And people say, well, those are my friends. You just don't understand. I work with them, or I do this, or I do that. I'm just saying to you, be careful of your friends. Because they may not be as much of your friend as you think they are because they may be doing something that hurts you because of the things that they do around you that will cause you to put your guard down because if it's acceptable for them, maybe it's acceptable for you. You're not there to please them. You're only here on this earth to please one person. That's God Almighty. Okay? I'm not here to pass. I'm not even here to 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 do and to do things that Pastor Goodluck, even though I'm under his under his authority and I work under his authority, but I'm not here to satisfy him in my life. I'm here to satisfy God, and I'll guarantee you that if I satisfy God, I'll satisfy him, because that's the way things work, right? And so that's the way it works that we have to do. Now, all right. Last, last but not least, and then y'all gotta say, "Great, be closing up here in a minute." Praise the Lord. Number five, guard. By guarding your doorsteps. <laughs> guarding your doorsteps. I just know everybody's mind is just, the thoughts are just running. Where is he going with the doorsteps? Well, you know, doorsteps are easy to fall down. As a matter of fact, Biden even proved the other day that you could fall upstairs. So not only can you fall downstairs, we found out you can fall upstairs too. I don't mean go upstairs and fall. I'm talking about fall on the way upstairs. Okay. But the thing about it, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I've stumbled the same way. You start going upstairs and don't get your feet high enough and you stumble and fall. So we can fall. But I'm not really talking about doorsteps. I'm actually talking about our steps that we take. But when you put guard the door of your steps, it made a 
funnier if I just put doorsteps, okay? But basically what I'm talking about is in Proverbs 4, 26 and 27, it says, Consider well the path of your feet, and let your ways be established and ordered aright. Turn not aside to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Now, I'm still working on how to get a foot out of evil, when you look at it literally like that, but what is it talking about? Watch where you go. Are you really going to play? Are you letting your feet go where they need to be going? In other words, are you walking the way you should be walking? We can look at it from a spiritual standpoint, right? Walking the way. He says walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, right? So we talk about it from, from, a, from a spiritual standpoint. But what do we walk in the right direction when we're talking about taking natural steps. We need to watch where we go because we are an example to those that look to us. Okay? We need to watch where we go. Watch where we do. What, what, what are, watch where we put our, what we put our hands to do. Remember, Joshua says, wherever he, the soles of his feet, was his, wherever, God, wherever the soles of his feet, where he went and he walked, God saw that it was wherever he walked, God was with him. And everywhere we go, guess who's with us? God is with us. If you truly know that God is with you, will you would you go to every place that you would go if you knew that God was, was with you? Because a lot of times we forget wherever we go, we carry him. Whatever we do, he's with us. Whatever I'm, whoever I'm listening to at school or whoever who I'm listening to and I hear something, not only am I hearing it, God's right here. Jesus is right here listening to the same things you listen to. And we're speaking. Guess who's listening? You're speaking right here. And believe it or not, you're speaking on his behalf because you are what? A Christian. So what does Christian mean, by the way? Huh? Christ-like, some people say Christ. Some people call it little Christ, okay? I think it's termination of actually little Christ. When we call her Christian, we're saying we're little Christ. Okay, I'm a little Christ, and when I go out there, I'm going out as a little Christ, and when people look at me, they're looking at Christ. That's what we have to remember. So we have to remember what we say, remember what we hear, remember what we, all these things that happen, because <clears throat> our spiritual heart is the most precious gift that God has given us to use and we should, we should protect it at all cost. All cost. Putting our guard down and allowing Satan to use our eyes and ears, our mouth, our hands, our steps, and allow that to enter into our heart just causes us spiritual pain. Not only spiritual pain, but many times natural pain. Because we end up going through it and it's not only spiritual, but it is emotionally draining on us. And it goes, to, it goes to destroying what God has done for us at our heart. We have a great responsibility. It's our responsibility to be alert and to guard our heart from the adversary because he's seeking whom he may destroy. I pray tonight that you've received something from this because I know that all of us go through situations and we get down, and we wonder why we're down, and we wonder why we're so discouraged. And what, Just go back and think, what did I listen to today? What did I say today? What did I think about today? And is that what's caused me to be where I am? 
Because that's what caused him my frustrations. Be aware. That's what this message is about. Be aware of the five senses that you have. And realize that for every five senses you have, you have five spiritual senses also. So you can be tuned into hearing in the natural. It's important to understand what you're hearing naturally. But it's also important to realize that we have a spiritual ear to be able to hear God when God talks to us. And it's understand that there are two complete realms. There's the natural realm and the spiritual realm. And all the senses operate in every one of those, either realm, doesn't matter. In the natural realm, they're all there, all the senses are there. But in that spiritual realm, we can talk with God spiritually. We can hear from Him spiritually. We can even touch God spiritually. Okay? All the things that we have, we can have. So it's important for us to realize that our heart is the most and most precious thing that we have protected at all costs. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this night. I thank you, Lord, for this message. I pray, God, that it was able, Lord, to minister to each and every one that was here, those here and those that are out there. God, I pray that you continue to strengthen us with the power, Lord, of your might as we walk daily with you. We thank you, Lord, for it. Go with us to our homes. Keep a hedge of safety around us that no danger or harm should come to us, Lord. Bring us back on Friday night to be able to bring in, Lord, this time of Good Friday. And God, as we, we worship you this week, Lord, as, a, as Lord, up to this Easter season, Lord, your resurrection, and we thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you.